Today's show, I want to welcome Trevor Burns from Whistler Rum. And I heard an interesting story about the name of your rum the other day. Where does it come from, Trevor? Yeah, so a lot of people ask us why in the world would we open a distillery in the pre state? Um, you know, we're miles away from sugarcane. Uh, you know, so that, that just doesn't seem to make sense. And, and really, it comes down to the philosophy of rum. So, you know, I always tell people if you think of um, if you think of the whiskey drinker, typically you get this picture in your mind of uh, an, an, you know an old person on an armchair with a glass in their hand and a cigar on the, in the other hand, and a um, tweed jacket. Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, and then um, if you think of the gin drinker, you get someone sitting on a stoop watching the sunset. Well, both of those characters, um, the world is really happening to them while the rum person happens to the world. So the rum person is out there, <laughs> you know, um, it, it, they're having fun, they're doing their own thing, they're making their own rules, or as we like to call it, whistle your own tune. Yes. Um, and, that, yes and that's where the name came from. Uh, so, you know, Whistler is, is all about whistling your own tune. Um, and and that's what what drove us to make this distillery in the free state. You know, we said, well, uh, you know, we opened this distillery in the free state. Um, it's not a question of why; it's a question of why not. There was a nice expression in Afrikaans about the whistling. Yeah, float your ayadinki. Float your ayadinki. I like that. Like most distillers, um, your story starts somewhere sipping a good whiskey or a good gin or in your case a good rum or is that is that not how it starts <laughs> <laughs> no no in fact it, it's the opposite it's we're sipping the poor rum <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, we were in Mozambique on a holiday um, and uh, we were you know as most South Africans do when they're out there um, do R&R um, and honestly, you know, it's, it's good for fun, but it's really horrible stuff. Yeah. Um, and, um, and and that just got us thinking, you know. So, I mean, you know, is it that hard? Can we do it better? Um, you know, why not try it ourselves? So we started doing research. This is back in 2015. Um, so we did research um, on rum, making rum, how do you go about it? Um, you know, is there a market for new entrants, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it just got us very excited. So the more we looked at it, the more we liked the idea. Um, and by the end of 2015, we had bought a small little distillation system, 50 liter, a 50 liter pot still. And we were making rum in my brother's garage. Um, mm. In fact, I came across one of the pictures um, of the garage last night, just by chance. Um, um, and, uh, you know, at the time we were thinking, sheesh, we we're killing this thing. <laughs> we're making fantastic rum. Um, and recently, about, yes, it must have been about a month ago, we actually came across some of the stock we produced back then. And it's awful stuff. <laughs> uh, so, 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 um, you know, we, we went from a bad, to a little bit better, um, but not much better, and and now with a really good uh, good product. Okay, and if you, I mean, if you're distilling rum, you obviously there's there's a couple of ways to do it, and you, I mean, the 
we've got some distilleries here in KZN that are using sugarcane juice um, and the big distillers or most of the distillers choose to use molasses, is that right? Uh, that's right. Uh, it very much depends on the style of rum that you're okay. producing. So, um, uh, so there, there are hundreds of styles of rum um, out there. So us as other South Africans, we we've actually been sold short on 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 really good rums. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you if you go to the French um, um, Virgin Isles and the Caribbean. They typically use um, raw sugarcane as as per the distilleries in the in, in KZN. Yeah, um, and it produces a very different flavour to to a rum produced from molasses. Um, you know, it, it's very much up to the consumer to decide uh, which flavours work best for them. Um, and and you really can't say that the one's better than the other. Uh, they're just different. They're just different. Um, Yes, yeah. So, so you know, so rum is produced from from sugarcane. Um, they tend to have um, uh, almost a, a a lot greener type of flavour to it. Um, so, so um, you know, they, they they tend to be somewhat lighter, um, and they've got this this green tangy kind of character to it. Uh, whereas molasses flavours tend to have a a, a heavier character. Um, a much darker character, um, but again, you know, it very much depends on you know how it's fermented and how it's distilled, mm. um, and then on the consumer's preferences. So um, they you really can't compare the two; they are uh, night and day from each other. Um, you know, a rum produced from molasses versus a rum produced from 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 who. Yeah, I I, lis- yeah. I, I listened to a podcast called Shift Drink Podcast, which is run by a guy called Ed in, I think he's in Indianapolis, and he owns a yeah. lot of tiki bars, and he's a, he's a rum fanatic. So I'm trying to okay. educate myself, and maybe you should contact this uh, Ed and, and get onto his podcast. Um, yeah, I will do that, yeah. He is really, it is it is fascinating to listen to, the rum producers from around the world and and really try and I mean without drinking what they're producing obviously you can't do that on the on listening to a podcast but it's fascinating yeah. um, the culture and the whole market around rum I mean it's much older from what I can gather it's much older and it's the roots are much uh, it's much more entrenched than even whiskey. Very much so. I mean, it's it's the oldest spirit, you know. I mean, people were fermenting and distilling um, from sugar long before um, somebody attempted to do the same with with grain. Um, so it's certainly an, an older spirit um, around there, um, and it's got it's got as you mentioned as deep roots as as the, the you know the most um, well known whiskies out there. It's just us as South Africans being at the southern tip of Africa. It's just unfortunate we've been, you know, we really haven't had access to to that type of culture for 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 well for our entire history, really. Yeah. Um. So back when we when we started, um, we did a training course in um, on rum production at the Moonshine University in um, Kentucky. Okay, Mark Tan um, also went there. Yeah, it's it's a phenomenally good course. Um, 
And what was awesome was that um, they they gave us a really, I mean, it is a very much a bird's eye view, but uh, you know, a rough overview on on landscape. And the course went through a couple of days, um, and and every day we went and tasted different styles of rum. And mm-hmm. yes, it was fascinating. Um, the flavors, the different flavors that come out, and and how enjoyable those spirits are by themselves. You know, again, as the South Africans only really know rum and coke, whereas the rums that are produced, you know, in these areas where it goes back, you know, hundreds of years, um, those rums are phenomenal. Um, and 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 as enjoyable, as enjoyable, if not more enjoyable than um, than a really good Scotch whiskey. So my, I mean, if I think of my first experience with rum, we used to go to the Natal Spa, which is like a hot spring resort not far from <laughs> my, my parents' farm, and I, we must have been thirteen or fifteen, and we'd uh, pinch my dad's red hot rum and my uncle that's what they used to drink we'd go down to the swimming pools and sip this stuff obviously with coke but we i mean i've got good memories of those days but uh but i mean i can't i'm not i can't say that i'm a regular rum drinker and nor do i know many regular rum drinkers and you probably don't even want to call that rum um, no, there's nothing wrong with uh, with, with uh, um, not, uh, you know it's got its it's got its uh, space to play in, and it serves a purpose. Um, you know the rums that we are just interested in are it's not um, you know it, it, the typical rums in South Africa you would drink over the course of a weekend. Yeah. Um, whereas um, you know the rum that we want to produce. Um, is something that you will drink over the course of a month or even months. Okay. You know, um, it's something that you want to savor um, and and enjoy and appreciate for the effort that went went into it. Yeah. So d- d- tell us a little bit about starting your distillery because we got in. I mean, we we met over, I guess, email and social media. It feels like. Many years ago, when when did you actually start the distillery? <laughs> uh, so when we finished our course, this was in early 2016. Um, so by then we had done tons of homework. Um, we had a, a friend of mine uh, who's a, a, a process engineer uh, lined up to to design and build um, our distillery. Um, and then we took everything that we learned overseas, came back, um, included those into the designs, and started building the distillery. This was April or May um, 2016. Okay. Um, so we started ordering um, um, equipment out of the Western Cape. Uh, some of the equipment, so the fermentation tanks and so on, we got out of the Western Cape. Um, and uh, we finalized um, some of the other pieces of equipment, um, and the distillery was built, completed by December 2016. Okay. So, it's um, so by the yeah, so by, by by the end of December 2016, we were already um, producing or at least um, experimenting with production. Um, and we started selling product uh, nearly a year later um, because everything's barrel aged. Uh, you know, we can't really start out the gate. 
Um, yeah. At least not with Whistler. So, um, so we started selling product in November 2017. Okay. So, yeah, okay. and I think you and I, I think we spoke over over email. It was somewhere in 2017, I think. Okay. When we started speaking over email, yeah. Yeah, and then we finally met. Uh, when was it? In the beginning of the year at the uh, tourism in Daba in Durban. That that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was actually yeah, it was actually quite nice to be there. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and the listeners must look out. There's a there's a video when the minister of tourism, uh, or the then minister of tourism, came to your stand, and he was quite positive about your room, wasn't he? He was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was very, very excited. Um, I look forward to seeing uh, a declaration of the bottle that we gave him in his, um, uh, they got to declare all their gifts, right? Okay. Um, so I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be looking out and see if, if our rum is declared in his gifts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and his parliament list. Yeah. So what I think, what I think everybody asks is, you know, when is, when is the big rum wave going to hit the market? Um, and, you know, I find it quite, quite irritating because people are, I always say, you know, don't, don't anticipate, participate, you know, start experimenting yeah. and start trying it yourself rather than waiting yeah. and talking about it. Um, but for for the trade and and for for consumers, maybe just a little bit about rum and maybe the process of how you make rum and then what to look out for in a good rum. Because me, like many in the trade, I think we buy with our eyes and we just look at the bottle and we, we you know we write off the category because it is a fairly small category. Um, but there must be some way that that the trade can help you to build this category. Uh, well, it's sort of a two-way street, this one, um, uh, in that uh, you are right, um, the trade needs to participate, but at the same time, us as producers, we need to simplify um, the use of our product, products for them. Mm. You know, if we if we go back to the gin, gin game, um, the gin producers came up with, with a lot of the initial ideas on cocktails and so on and and the trade then caught on to it and then further innovated on that basis um, and sort of the same thing needs to happen um, on the rum side of it so us as producers we have to to start off by by providing some education on how to use these products because for me the, the the most common question that we get is okay I've bought this bottle what I do now yeah um, and that's a you know, that's a fair question. The, it's, um, it's got an I, easy answer, just add coke to it. <laughs> <laughs> See, but that's the thing is that you, you, want, to, you want people to, to play wider than that because, because rum is yeah. such a versatile spirit um, that you can use it in almost, almost any traditional cocktail. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, at our distillery, we do everything from, you know, everything that, from what you would expect with rum. So, you know, mojitos, daiquiris, et cetera, et cetera. Um, to things that you would traditionally want to do with with gin, you know. So we've got cocktails produced with um, uh, with tonic uh, tonic and a set of syrup, and and they are all equally enjoyable. Yeah. Um, but again, the question is, how do we get um, the trade to to catch on to that tr- to, to that trend? 
Um, and it boils down to um, education, 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 education. So um, back to your question on how do people um, identify uh, good runs, I think you know, price is a starting point. Unfortunately, that's, um, that's how it works. Uh, you, you would want to try and look at runs above 250 rand. Um, so it's not a massive stretch from from what comes uh, to cost at the moment. Um, but but if you want to have a better experience, that is where you're going to have to start looking at. But that's still um, fairly it's, then, that's, that's still fairly cheap if you compare it to some of the craft gins. Very much so. Well, so well, that's what I'm saying is that yeah. yeah yeah. But it depends on what you want to do. You know, at from 250 rand to say 350 rand, you're sort of transitioning from cocktail spirits to sipping spirits. Mm. So, um, you know, some of the some of the rums from the 250 rand to 350 rand, you would want to sip. Um, but then some of those are better suited towards, uh, towards cocktails. Um, the, the second thing that, that consumers um, should do is, is figure out how the, these things are produced. So a lot of these products are, you know, there's a lot of... Um, uh, bells and whistles and smoke and mirrors um, involved, um, and uh, you know they tell a very good story, but the, the products aren't necessarily produced well. Um, the third argument that I would make, and I'm going to irritate a lot of people now, is that I would start off by trying rums produced by rum producers. Um, so people who focus on rums, mm. um, and that doesn't that doesn't mean that that, that the gin producers who are venturing into rum produce poor rums. I just think you're going to get a better experience from from rum producers out there, who all they do day in and day out is produce rum. Yeah. Um. Uh. But but uh, yeah, just to clarify that is that that doesn't mean that gin producer producing rum is producing poor rum. It's just, um, you know, I would, if I had to hedge bets, you know, if I'm paying 400 grand for a bottle, um, uh, you know, I'm going to buy, I'm going to prefer to buy from from a guy who that's all he does, you know, he produces rum. Yeah. Um, and then later down the line, you experiment then with, with other rums that's, that's, that's on the shelf. Yeah, because, um, because... And there are plenty of rums out there. Yeah, there, you know, there are plenty of, I mean, in South Africa alone, there are, I think eight um, guys who produce rum only. Um, some of them have a gin as a as an add-on, but that's fine because it's gin is an add-on, not rum is an add-on. Yeah. Um, and then if you add some gin producers into the mix who um, who produce rum as well, I think we're in, in the mid twenties uh, producers just in South Africa producing rum. Yeah. So there's a fair amount of rums out there to choose from. Um, and uh, and and you'll do yourself a, a big favor by trying them. I, I honestly can tell you that, especially the guys who who um, are they they avid rum drinkers. They've stuck with uh, Captain Morgan and Red Art and the like for many many years, years, and they now at a point where they might be earning a little bit more and they want to treat themselves, but they don't want to treat themselves with expensive whiskey or expensive germs. They want to stick to the flavor that they know. Mm. Well, then I, I would tell those people, you know, your next step is to, you know, add 50 rand or 100 rand to your budget and buy a, a rum that's been matured in barrels. Um, buy a rum that's been 
produced on small scales, buy rums that have been produced in pot stalls. Um, those things, they really do add a lot of character and a lot of enjoyment to the spirit. Trevor, tell us maybe a little bit about the different styles of rum that people can look out for. Um, so again, I, I, I sort of wish we had more of these rums available in South Africa. Yeah. Um, but then many, many styles. So, so people would know the Jamaican styles of rum. Well, they would have heard of it. They probably wouldn't have had it. So typically Jamaican styles of rums are what they call high ester rum. So what it means is it's just got a ton of, ton of, and a ton of flavor um, in it. Um, so, so these rums um, are, are produced in a very specific way. There's, I'm not going to go into technicalities of it. Those were the ones that they used to export to Germany. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they um, they've they've got a historical um, relationship with Germany, where uh, I think it was just after the war. The Germans are big fans of rum. Um, I think it might be to do with the fact that um, they don't want to drink whiskey because it was there with, at the time it was their arch enemies. Yeah. Um, anyways, but they were big fans of rum, uh, but there weren't a lot of money around. So, so what they did was they they had the Jamaicans make really really super high flavored rums or, or what they call high ester rums. Um, ship those rums over to Germany and then water well water the flavor down with neutral spirit and end up with a with a similar 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 flavor okay. so it was sort of a cost thing uh, but it resulted in a in in a very unique style unique to Jamaica okay um, then you get what they call a navy rum um, so so navy rums are are there's really no specific flavor profile to it, so it's not necessarily produced with molasses or with um, or with sugarcane. Um, it is typically a blend, uh, so it's produced uh, by mixing rums from all around the Caribbean um, into a single rum. Typically, that was how it's done. Obviously, there's more to it. And is it um, is then you have? Is it also yeah. like like the? The navy gin that it's that it's stronger than the normal product. Uh, no, but there was a there is a a, a version of it called gunpowder, um, where um, I think that has to be fifty six percent or something like that. I got, I'm not hundred percent sure on the details. Um, so there there are variants within the within the, the categories. Mm. Um, and some of them do go stronger and some of them don't. Um, it sort of varies within the category and so on. So it's not quite clear cut yeah. um, on exactly how, um, how the different styles work. Um, another relatively clear style is agricole. So agricole is typically produced using um, sugarcane directly. So they, they use the sugarcane juice, ferment that and distill it. Um, then uh, another version is cachaça. So some people might have heard of that. So that is a agricole variant that's produced in Brazil. So it's something that has to be produced in Brazil. Um, and so on and so forth. So there are many, many, many styles. Um, we as Whistler, we've come up with a concept of African style. Um, which is, which is your own thing. It is, but it's not something that we want to... So it's something that we trademarked, uh, but not with the purpose of keeping it for ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the whole purpose behind it is just actually to protect a set of rules. So if someone wants to produce, someone else wants to produce under the African style concept, they're more than welcome to, but they have to tick the boxes. Um, and in short, there's a little bit more to it, but in short, there's five rules. Um, first rule has got to be produced in Africa. That one's relatively easy. The uh, second rule is it's got to be produced using equipment that was designed and built in Africa. Yeah. The third rule is it's got to be a local distiller, so um, a local born and bred distiller. Fourth rule, the um, alcohol must be produced using locally sourced ingredients. So in our case, we use um, molasses out of KZN combined with brown sugar. Well, it's like a brown sugar treacle that we get out of Swaziland. Um, uh, uh, then um, the final rule, and um, probably one of the most important rules in the process, um, the alcohol must be matured in barrels that have previously matured alcohol in Africa. So um, for our two main products, our dark rum and, the spi- and our spice rum, we use a combination of old brandy barrels that were previously used in the Western Cape and old whiskey barrels also previously used in the Western Cape. So by doing that, um, we get a, a uniquely African-flavored product. Um, so starting off with in South Africa, so our climate influences um, the, the flavor of the eventual spirit that you bottle, number one. The local um, equipment, the type of equipment, so, so it was interesting when we were doing our training, one one point that was made quite frequently was that um, one stole a uh, distillation system versus the next distillation system, even if it was produced by the exact same manufacturer, produces different flavors. So, 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 but by having the equipment produced in South Africa, we end up having a uniquely South African flavor um, in it by default. The third thing is a local distiller. So you want to use a local distiller because you're producing spirit for an African palate. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure it works for us as South Africans. Okay. The fourth rule, the local uh, local ingredients, that sort of speaks for itself. Again, local flavor coming into the spirit. And finally, maturing in barrels that have been used here before. Again, it adds some of the local flavor that's really well known around the world into our spirit. And it ends up being um, creating a spirit that you can't find anywhere else. It's as unique as as the most unique spirit out there. And have you managed to get other uh, producers on board? Uh, to date, no. Uh, we've had people contact us um, with interest, mm. um, interested, and we've had people um, interested in buying mature products. So, and, but none of those pro- projects have come through yet. Yeah. Uh, but we have had interest, yes. We're hoping that this um, competition that we won recently uh, will contribute um, to, well, and help motivate people to follow the, that um, that process. Yeah, tell us about that. That was the old mutual trophy, wasn't it? That's right, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in our world, massive competition. Um, uh, really, really well-respected judges from all around the world. Um, you know, the same by old mutual. Um, and they looked at a number of spirits. So, so it was the first year that they held a spirits-only competition. Mm. Um, there were 200 entrants. Um, I'm not sure how many entrants of those were rums. Um, I just know that at least five nationalities were involved um, in the rum category. 
um, which makes us quite proud because it means that 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 we won a competition and we were up against um, you know some massive names from around the world, uh, which obviously you know it does tell us that we're doing something right. Yeah, and uh, the judges. I mean, do spirit judges judge all spirits, or can, or are they specialist rum judges? Uh, you know, it, it, I, there's always a question around these type of types of competitions mm. on exactly that. Um, this competition, I would say, was pro- probably biased towards uh, whiskey, okay. which again isn't a bad thing for us because it means that you know whiskey drinkers can appreciate um, our rum. That does that does add quite a lot of um, uh, weight uh, to the to the competition. Yeah. Um, there are um, there are competitions around the world where uh, where they have rum specialists uh, um, participating, uh, but as I say, I think uh, you know in this case the, the judging was a little bit more um, weighted towards uh, whiskey judges. Yeah, which is better than if they were weighted towards gin. Absolutely. Um, yeah. uh, you know, that, that already raises a question. I, I was involved in a competition a couple of years ago where I was a judge um, at the competition. Uh, we weren't entered. It was before we opened, actually. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, it was a rum-only competition, and it was super frustrating sitting there as a rum person uh, because half of the panel – um, didn't drink spirits. Never mind, um, you know, rum. Yeah. Um, and it just, uh, you know, it just removed all um, credibility in my mind, at least from from the result. Yeah. So, in terms of yeah. of the rum market, how many? I mean, have you come a lot? Have you come across a lot of uh, what do you call them? Rum fanatics or whatever. Um, in South Africa, have you? I mean, there must be some that that you've met at exhibitions or yes, shows yeah. or toastings. I mean, if you look at the whiskey life much, so. festivals and the gin festivals, yeah. Um, yeah. So gin festivals, um, we are we're not big fans of gin festivals um, or taking rum to a gin festival mm. because the consumer's mindset is such that they cannot they expect everything with tonic. Yeah, uh, when they get there. Um, you know, and uh, and you're talking to a, a, a consumer that that prefers um, prefers gin. You know, I always say like you know, it's like trying to sell meat to a vegan. Um, it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't work. Um, you, you, you're talking to the wrong um, wrong type of customer. Yeah. Um, whiskey festival was better um, because the whiskey drinkers in general are a lot more open minded and willing to try. Um, uh, different spirits, um, and and also they they prefer drinking it neat, so so they can ex- appreciate our rums for what it is, mm. um, and how in our mind at least it should be drunk, um, and um, so that was better. And you do get um, some people there who are massive rum fanatics, and they've been to the Caribbean, and they've been to Mauritius, and they've been to you know many places around the world where. Where good rum is produced, um, and 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 they get very excited because there's something proper produced in South Africa. Um, but it is kind of difficult to reach them through those types of events because they don't go to them. 
um, you know, uh, if it's not a rum event and you're a rum guy, then why would you? Why, why would, would you go there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, so, you know, so there's a culture that needs to be developed around rum festivals. Um, it is starting, and there are a couple of really good festivals around that that I would recommend. Um, so there's a small little festival at Clank Cop and Centurion. Mm. Yeah, we went this year and it was absolutely worthwhile. Um, yeah, you know, really, really good. It wasn't a massive turnout, but the people who arrive are people who are interested. Yeah. Um, another one that we found was worthwhile was um, uh, by uh, show managers in uh, uh, near Lanceria. Forget the forget the place's name. Mm. Um, anyways, that one is also well attended um, and massively um, um, good um, interest. You know, it's the right type of crowd that arrives. But then you get other events that, and I'm not going to name names, but that really revolves around international players giving them money and, yeah. and pushing the show. Yeah, and that just distracts from from value because you. You know, you get these really massive producers um, bunting the whole story, and then the whole show ends up being about them, and it really misses the point. Yeah. You know, um, the people who arrive there, it, it, it tends to be the wrong type of customer again, and it just doesn't, it just doesn't do anything for us as uh, you know, small scale producers. Yeah, and are there any yeah. any rum producers? You, you, I mean, you are open to the public. You, you invite yeah. you you want visitors to come and obviously visit your distillery, like the Absolutely. craft brewers. Um, yeah. How often? How often are you open to the public? Uh, we're open every Saturday, um, okay. and we're open from noon to around seven pm. Okay, so so for yeah. me, I mean, just in terms of the location, for me, the free state is obviously everybody knows Harry Smith because you drive through it, and then Clarence with this <laughs> wonderful beer fest, and uh, yeah. I mean the the only other places that I have been on my sales trip is Welcome and Bloemfontein. So, <laughs> yeah. where 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 are you guys situated? We're close to Valcom, um, so we're, we're we're between we're closer to Enamon, which is actually just next door to Valcom. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so so we're halfway between Enamon and Rivikstad. So Rivikstad being a, a sort of a, 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 um, a part of Valcom, a small section of Valcom, um, and we're on a farm um, halfway between the two towns. Um, if you if you put it into Google Maps, it'll take you to our front door. Okay, so that works. I know yeah. when I started, I worked on a on a maps of all the distilleries in South Africa, and um, it was really hard to find anything on a map. And I went around uh, adding people not only to my map but also to to Google Maps. Um, so yeah. yeah, if Google Maps works, it's 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 a good thing. And, yeah, it helps. Yeah, and and we've added. So when we initially added on Google Maps. It would take you through back roads, um, and you end up at a uh, as, at an old entrance to the farm that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, so, so you couldn't actually reach it that way. So, there's a long story to change the routing to actually get people to the front door. Uh, is that even possible? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was possible. Uh, we just had to sort of um, cheat the system a little bit. Okay. 
Um, yeah. Now tell me about your rooms. You you make. I think when when I met you in in Durban, you had three different rooms. The one was phenomenal, yeah. and and completely unexpectedly so because it was a clear room. Yes. Yeah. So um, people would expect, and rightly so, expect that an aged spirit has got a colour to it. Yes. Uh, well, our aged silver rum is actually uh, colourless, and the reason for that is we aged in a ba- in well a set of barrels for all oh, the rum is now just sort of three years old, um, and and then we filter the colour out. Okay. Um, and you and you end and you end up with a spirit that that. It's got really subtle flavors, um, like smooth banana, caramel, and berries, sort of all interlaced. Uh, it's just massively awesome. Um, now it, I think it's a really, really epic rum. Um, it is. It, it's, at the moment, you can only get it through our um, um, through our distillery, and probably within the next week um, on our online store. Okay, so that's um, that's a big yeah, draw card. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's the only place where you can get it. It's really, really limited supply. Um, we can only produce about 80 bottles a month um, of that because it's such a difficult process um, to follow. Mm. Um, yeah, and because of it, it's limited supply and you can really only get it there. Um, what uh, I can't remember we spoke about it when uh, when we were at Durban together, um, but we've got a couple of other rums that's in the pipeline. No, we so we've done a yeah. So we we've done a barrel exchange with Boerplas Wines. So yeah. um, I, I, the Boerplas name is quite well known in South Africa. So um, Boerplas, uh, their whiskey distiller, Daniel, um, uh, he they won a couple of a couple of competitions last year uh, with their whiskey, having the best whiskey in the country. Um, or best locally produced whiskey. Um, and it really is phenomenal. So what we did with them was they emptied some of those award-winning whiskey barrels. Um, they kept the whiskey to themselves. Uh, we emptied our rum barrels um, and then drove the rum barrels down to Kralestorp, uh, exchanged it for their whiskey barrels. They then filled those rum barrels with their whiskey. Um, and we've uh, taken their barrels back to our distillery and filled them with our rum. Um so there's going to be it's sort of a once-off uh, that will, I think we're doing 400 or 800, I think 400 bottles is, is the total that we can produce um, out of those barrels. Uh, but we're very excited. So we've had rum in there. So essentially we're doing a finish um, in a whiskey cask. Um, and we're doing a, it's going to be between six months and a year that we'll be finishing it um, on. Um, and uh, we started tasting, only started tasting it now about a week ago. We started tasting that rum, and it is awesome, really, really, really awesome. <laughs> so that's a really nice project that we're busy with. Then we've got a Solera that's on the way. Um, so the Solera is uh, so some people would have read about Solera. It's a specific aging met- methodology. Um, and, that, and that's from uh, Spain, or is it from Portugal? Uh, Spain. It's a Spanish uh, concept. Um, no, Spain. I'm pretty sure it's Spain. Um, and um, so it's a Spanish concept that's, that was used in the Sherry um, Port. I can't remember. Um, anyways, it's it's one of those um, sweet wines uh, where they use this 
aging methodology to 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 achieve constant flavors from one year to the next. Because mm-hmm. obviously you don't get constant flavors. Uh, it's very much dependent on the um, on the rainfall and the climate, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, of that specific year. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we use it for a different reason. So also for consistency from one batch to the next. But the other reason that we use it for is that um, we can play around with barrels, massively play around with barrels in the system. So included in that aging system is um, uh, port barrels, uh, brandy barrels, whiskey barrels, bourbon barrels, um, white wine barrels, and red wine barrels. Um, and some of them have been treated differently. Some of them we we um, uh, we retoasted. Some of them we left as is, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And what what you end up with is you know, you start off with a really full flavored rum and then you add all of the, this range of flavors um, from this range of flavors, um into the spirit. Um, and you end up with a really, really complex um, uh, complex spirit with like a, a reddish color that it gets from the port barrels. A really, really awesome, awesome rum um, that we're quite excited about. We haven't quite decided whether we're going to be bottling it at 42% or at barrel strength of around 58%. Mm-hmm. So, um, not quite a debate internally on what's the most appropriate route um, on that. Um, I suspect we'll probably do it somewhere halfway between the two. Um, so that's quite exciting. Then we've got a toasted coconut rum that's um, being developed. It's a Pain in the ass to develop, but, but we're getting there. Um, and uh, a number of others, but, but those are sort of the only ones that I want to communicate at this point. <laughs> yeah. So, Trevor, you should yeah. really you should really reach out to Greg Casey at Banana Jam in in Cape Town. Um, Greg started okay. he started his uh, his bar as a as a rum bar many many years ago, and okay. he, I think he had a few around Cape Town. But it's really become a craft beer destination, and I want to go as far as saying it's it's my favorite craft beer destination in South Africa. Um, shout oh, out to Greg, yeah. uh, and Greg upstairs in his uh, he owns the building, and upstairs in he he has managed to get a license to brew beer, and he okay. would, he would be the perfect guy to do barrel exchanges with if you want to use. Uh, you know, if you want to do something with beer and he loves rum. Um, uh, we are actually, we're, we're, we're doing something with beer. Uh, I just forgot about it, uh, but we've got a barrel exchange with a beer producer in Valcom. Uh, but it's something that we're completely open to because there's so many varieties of beer. Yes. It's actually an, an, easy, an easy and relatively short project to work on. So we are very much keen to work on those kind of projects. Um, uh, yeah, it's something that we're quite excited about. I think in South Africa, there's an import called Innocent Gun that's a mm. rum finished beer. Yes. Um, that's quite popular. Um, well, we're trying to do something similar, except that you can buy a package together. You know, So you've got beer finished rum and rum finished beer in one package. Um, and you can you know, taste both, spirit, both the spirit and the beer and see how the flavors um, uh, transfer from one to the other. Um, and I, I just think it improves the uh, experience. I think, you know, I think people who are really interested in this kind of stuff um, would want to buy that kind of product just to better understand it and better experience it. 
Yeah, and I think it also gives you a product to sell at your distillery to people that... Obviously, yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah reach, out, reach out to Greg. Um, he, he always comes up all the way from Cape Town. He comes up to the Clarence Beer Festival, and I'm sure you could convince him to spend another couple of days in Henneman exploring your distillery. Yeah. Um, well, I'm actually down there on Thursday and Friday, so I might as well just pop by. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so talking about Greg, that always brings me to the next topic. I mean, craft beer is is all about building a tribe. How how have you managed, have you had any success in building a following in South Africa? And and how have uh, you done we that? We certainly have. We certainly have um, quite a nice following in the Henneman um, um area mm. um, and uh, what's become quite clear over the past week since we won this uh, competition is that there's a lot of people that that are keeping their eyes on this type of um, this type of product um, and I think within a week uh, our following our Facebook following climbed to something like 200 or something okay. um, whereas it usually climbs by about 10 or 20 Um so I think by keep, by keeping on um, and and keeping on innovating, you you, you end up having um, followers by default. Yeah. Um, and this is exactly this is exactly what we've seen is that uh, stay true, um, keep keep on innovating, um, and and keep on thinking about the people who drink your product, um, and and ultimately your 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 tribe will follow. Yeah, and maybe um, maybe in in terms of building an event like like the Clarence Beer Festival, is that something that you've looked at? It is something that we've looked at. Uh, we just really haven't had um, well, we haven't come up with the right um, venue yet. Although uh, that problem might solve itself um, in the near future. Uh, I don't want to elaborate on it, but it looks like there might be. Um, an opportunity for, for all of our producers in the near future to to work together. Mm-hmm. Very exciting stuff. Um, and where is where is your rum available now? It's it's in mo- most pick and pays. Uh, most pick and pays and most doxes. Um, uh, some ultra liquors, some liquor cities, um, and that's around the country. So the easiest way to find it is to go on our website. Uh, go under stockists and there's like an interactive map you put in where you stay and it'll tell you where your closest, uh, your closest um, stockist is. Okay. And your website? Where can people find you? Uh, whistlerrum.co.za. Okay. Really easy. And that's two R's. So it's uh, Whistler Rum. Yeah. Thanks, Trevor. I really think it's been useful and uh, it's always important, I think, not only to learn about your story, but um, about the category. I think it's it's a growing category. It's an interesting category and, um, and both consumers and the trade need to learn more about it. And hopefully we can chat again soon. Yeah, no, I, I'm always happy to chat. And, you know, if people want to find out more, they can... Um, email us at info at whistleround.co.za. Uh, we're always available to answer questions um, and maybe even help out with tastings, etc., etc. Okay. okay. And, con- and con- congratulations on your award. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we, <laughs> we're super proud of it um, and very, very happy uh, with the result. 
um, and certainly have seen that that it's helped people take notice um, of of some really good products made right here in our backyards. Yeah, wonderful. And that's uh, Trevor yeah. Trevor from um, Whistler Rum, and that's in Henemann in the Free State. Thank you for taking okay. the time to tune in, and cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks, Olga. I really enjoyed it.